A Chance Encounter in Wyoming by Walter Baum. The morning dew turned to a fine mist as the road crept over and around and up and down and over the mountain valleys of Wyoming. Leaving my car by the side of the road, I wandered down to the river, which sliced through the narrow valley. I poured handfuls of cold spring water over my face. Could there be a better shower? The melting snow rose the level of the river just shy of the road and the embankment of gray stones covered with fencing. Standing on its bank, I felt jealous of the power of the river. Water surged over the boulders, forming foamy white caps in the sunshine. But the river had it easy, its course having been formed over eons of time, and changes in its course could take all the time it needed. I just had one life, and I was still quite young. Tears out of college, and happily debt-free. I stood up, wiped the sand from my knees, and noticed a small cottage nestled in the woods on the other side of the river. The sound of chopping wood echoed just above the roar of the river. I imagined smelling bacon, biscuits, but maybe that was just my hunger. I drew closer to the cottage, directly across from me, some 200 feet or so, an older man chopped away methodically with an axe. He had a shock of white hair. For some reason, and after some time, he noticed me. He leaned casually against his axe, like some Paul Bunyan, and wiped his forehead with his sleeve. It looked like he was posing for a photograph. It would have been quite a shot. Good morning to you, the axe man yelled, waving his hand. Know where I can cross? I asked. The older man could not hear. I pointed to the river and yelled, Cross! Cross! Moving my two fingers like a walking man. Not here, he roared, unless you're a salmon or bear. He pointed up the road. Up, up there some. So much easier. I was glad. There had been too many barriers separating me from what I wanted and wanted to be. The smiling old man continued chopping his wood as I left my baby parked off the side of the two-lane highway and followed the river upstream and looked for a shallow region to ford. That car and me, it's been my longest-term relationship, bringing me to and from college as a commuter for two years. A scholarship paved the rest of the way for the next two at a state school. I'd been on the road now for many days and had talked to a few people. The car contained my whole life. Anything more than that would be superfluous, right? After walking a quarter of a mile or so, I took off my shoes and socks and rolled up my pants up to my knees to the waterline. The river was colder than the cold on my face and far deeper than expected. I stumbled upon a stone and fell completely overboard in the river, taking more than my typical face shower. The cold of the river was a shock, but one of those curious shocks. If I believed in religion, I would have said it was a baptismal shock. I approached the cottage, shivering in my pants, folded across my arm. 
Should I have been embarrassed with my wet plaid boxers? I made sure the white button was buttoned on the fly. A large grassy area rose from the banks of the river to the cottage. The old man had either finished or took a break to talk to me. Why? I'm not sure. But he had been piling the wood by the side of the house. He rocked gently on his porch. Did he make this place? How does one even do that? Create something from just a vision. Had that been my problem? Did I need a master to obey? Why not become my own master? He watched me carefully as I wandered up the dirt path towards his small cottage, sneakers sloshing with every step. I looked pathetic. Good morning, I said as I reached the steps. He didn't cross at the right spot. He smiled, staring at my soaked jeans, socks, and sneakers. How do you know? I asked. Well, people usually don't get wet while crossing a bridge, son. I'm such an idiot, I thought. But I smiled. Better give me your pants before you catch a cold, he told me. I'll hang them in the sun. It's going to be a warm day. It's weird that way in Wyoming. Freeze your nads off in the winter. Toast those nads nicely in the summer. The other ten months, well, God only knows what you'll get. I didn't waste any time in the old man's offer. I followed him to the back of the house in my damp underwear. The sun was bright on the clothesline. So do you usually stop Ford Rivers and talk with strangers who could be serial killers, he asked? Or are you having car trouble? He stroked his chin. I just like to meet new people, you know, I said. That was really a lie. You've been coughing. Fording that river probably didn't help. Do you have any, uh, you have something working on you? <laughs> yeah, something, but not what you think. Well, that's the truth for most people, and the others are just lying sons of bitches, he said laughing. You want a bit of ginger brandy? I'm sure you're old enough, and if you're not, fuck it, right? It's Wyoming. Clears the throat. Behind his wicker chair, he pulled out an old jug, something straight out of deliverance. That film has haunted me for years. He swirled the jug around with his large hands. He gazed up at the sun. A little early for brandy, but this looks like an exception. The ginger brandy tickled my throat, and I immediately coughed. That cough, he said, was sure that it was working its magic. I never had anything like this, I told him, except the blueberry cognac my grandfather used to toast on special occasions. The old man laughed. He took a snip for himself. Very good, I said, lying. Very good. He told me his name was Jack. We shook hands firmly. I said I was much obliged to his kindness and hospitality. I said I was Roger Fleming. He laughed. From the sound of your accent, son, I don't think those words are too frequently used, he said. This is Wyoming, not Alabama, and I'm usually a good with the accents, and I'm placing yours somewhere in the middle Atlantic region. Coastal. Say water. Water. New Jersey. I smiled. Was I that obvious? Now, do you follow the Phillies or the Mets? Yes, well, the Phillies, I used to. Oh, it's okay now. You know, different leagues. It doesn't matter. That's what I miss out here, you know. Crowds and the crack of the bat and overpraise piss water stadium beer and, well, you know, people.
sometimes. Jack dragged another heavy wicker chair across the wooden porch. I didn't know the type of wood. I should have taken woodshop rather than mythology, but what do you know when you're in high school? His sleeves were rolled to his elbows, revealing strong, muscular arms, tanned, and he wore baggy brown pants and sturdy work boots. His blue collarless shirts reminded me of working-class Irish poets. It's really beautiful here by the river, I told Jack. The lines in his face seemed to be full of interesting stories. Before I could ask something, he asked, where was I heading all alone in the middle of God's country? Nowhere right now in particular, I said honestly, just traveling, camping, for free in a state forest when I can, and bathe when I can, and, and see a bit of the country. But I hope to get to Portland, Oregon in a couple of weeks. Did you get a job out there? It's possible, I said. I just need a new start. On the opposite coast, away from my old life. Well, I guess that makes sense, Jack said, nodding slowly. I came out here and built this place after my wife died ten years ago. He said they were from Chicago. I don't look like I'm from Chicago, but every place in Chicago reminded me of her, and now I still think of her, but I feel closer to her here. Not that that makes any sense, but she said it was what we always should have done, but we just waited too long. I'm sorry to hear that. I, I knew how tough it was on my grandfather. Several items of relative importance, at least to me, or to a marketplace, lay scattered on the porch. Farming tools, shovel, pickaxe, knickknacks, a Chicago White Sox cap, more yellow than white, and a few pictures and rusted frames. One frame probably contained his wife, but I felt weird getting off my rocker to inspect it. That's something that should be offered. It seemed like an invasion of his personal space. But even judging it from here, I could see she was beautiful, not that. Other opinions of beauty should matter at all to the old man. When you're in love, does that matter so much? And if it does, is it love? So what do you do out here? Oh, you mean without a Starbucks at eight bucks a pop? Oh, I keep busy. Enjoy life. I fish, eat what I catch, grow veggies in the back, hunt a little, and I eat what I shoot, but mostly I've given that up. Bleeding out an animal just takes too much time. And I play with the dog and take hikes and, like you, go swimming. My dog Lacey, she's sleeping now. I'm shocked she hasn't heard you. If you were a woman, she'd be here. The jealous type, you know. But she's getting old and that's just life. She's had a good life out here with me, and I gotta say. She came out here with me from the beginning. So why Portland? Well, I don't know. It just seems like an it place to be, you know, environmentally friendly, lots of bike paths, bookstores, open-minded people of like minds, and uh, maybe a place to find, to find me. And like you, you know, lots of nature around. I have a few interviews lined up, and when I get out there, I think I'll just shack up at a motel room to be interview ready. Any friends out there? No, not at all. Well... I didn't have any friends out here until I moved out here. He said he was friends with some crazy-ass sons of bitches and new downright motherfuckers, but mostly they were basically good, and some who were really good. Guess around here, you gotta be friendly with whomever. Well, yeah, that's true. It makes you be friendly. I have more friends out here in the wilderness than when I lived in the suburban life in Chicago, and a ton more if you count the wildlife. He asked me my age, 23. 
<laughs> young, very young, and young and restless like I was. And then I met Maddie, fell in love, got married, and had a wonderful life, goddammit. He held back a tear as he talked of losing two children early. It hurt her so bad. It hurt me too, but not like the hurt of a woman whose beating heart has been keeping in time with the baby's heart all those months. I was sorry to hear that. Really sorry. Well, it's just nature. I hate to say that, and I couldn't really say that to Maddie. But when you're out here, you see lots of death. A lot of stuff that just ain't right, but life eats life. I don't believe in any of that God's plan stuff, and Maddie, God bless her. She didn't either, but I wish she had something to comfort her besides the drinking. But she got sober, and you do your best to survive, move on, cope, and appreciate, you know, the times like this with a complete stranger, and maybe even a little ginger brandy early in the morning. Jack had a passion when he talked. He was honest, simple, sincere, and content. I stood up grabbing hold of the railing and stared at the mountains in the distance, the snow-capped peaks above the tree line. These were the Bighorn Mountains. I had overnighted in Cody and planned to make my way to Yellowstone. From the interstate, the mountains just looked like clouds, and you never know you're rising all the time in altitude as you're cruising all alone at a hundred miles per hour. The air was fresh with evergreen, and I could feel the temperature rising as the morning clouds began to form. It's really beautiful here. Home can be beautiful anywhere. <laughs> no, no it's not, I said. The operative word is may. Ah, oh, sorry, yeah. That's probably why you're moving to Portland. Yep. Want another ginger brandy? Yep. Want to talk about it to a complete stranger? Hell, I just poured out my guts to you, and it's not like you'll ever see me again. And I won't charge you my typically hourly rate, you know, uh, so, or you can help me chop wood in the back while your clothes dry, and maybe you can write a review of my chili stew with deer meat. I walked down the steps and into the bright sunshine. My underwear was still wet, but it felt nice. The sky was clear, and the color, a deep abiding blue. Standing there in the grassy field with the river coursing just below me, my car up over there waiting, I felt a new energy rise inside of me. Well, this complete stranger wanted to know my story. Did I care for his politics, or his religion, or his agenda? Does everyone have some damn agenda? I could have agreed with 99% of shit with someone, and you know, the one thing. The only thing we disagreed on, well, they dragged me and hanged me by my testicles, right? He didn't seem someone to judge, but you just never know. This was Wyoming, after all, and remember Matthew Shepard? I know I do. Tortured and tied to a prairie fence because he was, well, gay. I told Jack that my family didn't appreciate my lifestyle. Didn't like your sense of fashion. I laughed. You could say that. What I wore was going off their moral code. You don't need to say any more, he said. He'd seen a lot of hate in his life. But I continued. It was something I struggled with for so long, and in college it was all love, and I really found love. His name was Kenneth, not Ken, not Kenny. God forbid Kenny. Always Kenneth. That's something I always admired. No stupid nicknames. I finally talked to my family about this, you know, the talk as portrayed in films. Dad practically took a righteous dump right there in the living room and my mom such a mousy thing 
I guess only still half supported me, but I guess she didn't want to get hit anymore. And my older brother, well, uh, he's a piece of shit, a real loud frat bro. How many dicks up the ass jokes can a man take? I really just couldn't stay there anymore. I packed up my stuff, left a note on the table, changed my cell phone number, and I thought I'd get away as far as I could to recreate myself, you know? Gatsby-like. But not the Gatsby end. It's all the American dream after all, right? He said, That must be really hard to have parents who don't understand you, and don't appreciate you, and don't support you. Being an orphan is awful, but I'll tell you what's worse. Having parents and still feeling like, like an orphan. That's horrible. He got that right. Or they die. But the toxin and the poison are still inside. Does that happen, I said? You're not free? <laughs> Life is tough, son. You gotta suck the wound hard and spit out the poison for a long time. The ones who should show love show the exact opposite. I said and throw a perverse twist of lime and lemon into the tonic of religion, and, well, my father will support a story from two millennia more than his own flesh and blood. Yep. Jesus wouldn't understand any of these people these days, Jack said. I have some friends who say some dumbass things. I just keep my mouth shut sometimes, but sometimes, sometimes I don't. I kicked my friend's ass just the other night. He deserved it, and I know he knew he deserved it. It comes to blows sometimes, that's all. Hey, it's Wyoming. New Hampshire doesn't know at Granite's tit about live free or die state, right? Are you still friends? Yeah. <laughs> but that term is wide and broad around here, like our skies and mountains and, and rivers. Jack met up with me in the field, and we walked around together around the side of the house to inspect my jeans. My pants were on the ground. Lacey the dog had pulled them off the line. Guess she was jealous after all, Jake said. I think the ripped look is still in, I said. Jack told me I looked a little flabby in the arms there with all that passive driving and I could probably use a little exercise. Sometimes people travel around searching for paradise and they just bring their own hell, you know, or worse. Make that heaven a new hell for everyone else. People just full of toxins and poisons and low serotonin levels or... Or something like that. You know, you should really write, I told him. Or live on a mountaintop. Thank you, son. I actually do. Well, write. I don't care for mountaintops. Really? Yeah, uh, nothing big, but some stuff here and there. And he said, I was, a, I was a tech writer for the big books back in the Windy City. But now, really at night, when it's quiet, that's when I feel things the deepest. I would love to read some of your stuff. I mean... I said, I'm a huge reader. Would you mind? Would Mozart mind having someone listen to his music? I laughed. And then it was then I realized the old man reminded me of the only person in my family who seemed to, how do I say this, get me, my grandfather. Was that the reason I waved and said hello and asked for a way to cross? It's curious. He was a stranger, like how long ago? And why are people the closest to us push us the furthest away, and those that should love us the most sometimes push away the hardest? You know, I just don't get that. Well, I'll tell you what, son. I mean, Roger. When you get situated, Roger Fleming, formerly of New Jersey, 
in Portland or Seattle or Vancouver or wherever you call home, send me a letter. I'll give you my address and I'll send you some stuff. Email is spotty here, you understand. Oh, that would be so nice, I said. And I'm sure you must have some Mozart about I could listen to before I leave. I don't think Yellowstone is going anywhere. And if it does, and when it does, uh, blow, I mean, no one has to worry about anything ever again. Not God, not agendas, or sexual orientation, who, who wins the bloody World Series, right? Who would have thought I'd have this conversation with someone I saw off the side of the road? Chance encounters, they say, he said, smiling. Here, come help me. I originally wrote this story on September 26, 1989, as a 20-year-old going across the United States with my mom, brother, and sister, and we were crossing the Bighorn Mountains. Um, and I saw the cottage, I saw the river, I took some notes, and recently rediscovered this in a cabinet and just updated it for 2021. It was originally called The Lonely Cottage by the River. So the original I wrote when I was 20, I am now 51. Thanks for listening. Take care, everyone.